Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today our guest is Craig Kurlop. And Craig, I'm going to read your entire bio because when I read it, I thought it was fantastic. So I'm oh, going to yeah. read it here. So Craig Kurlop went from a net worth of negative $30,000 to financially independent in just 2.5 years. And now with his financial independence, he has fun building a team of investor-friendly real estate agents at the FI team, helping others achieve financial independence as he did. And when he's not slaying dragons with his newfound mustache, he is rocking podcast episodes and living the biohacker good life in Colorado and Hawaii. So Craig, thank you so much for coming onto the show today and making some time for us. So welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Eileen. It's a pleasure to be here. So when you slay dragons, where are you finding these? I can't tell you because uh, <laughs> I mean, my slaying dragon secrets are has to be kept to me. Otherwise, you guys will slay my dragons, and that's no fun. <laughs> so, Craig, can you share with us a little bit about your background and what started you on the path of looking to become financially independent, and what was that shift for you when you first got started? Yeah, so I think like a lot of people, I was in a job that I hated. You know, I went to college. And was basically brainwashed into thinking that the only way to live a happy life was if I got a high paying job and bought the nice car and the nice home and lived up on a hill somewhere and all that kind of stuff. But after about six months, 12 months of my first job out of college, I realized that I just absolutely hated it. I was working 60, 80, 100 hour weeks, making decent money, but I was making like six figures, but my life was just consumed by work. And I looked around me and I saw where my path was, where I looked down the hall and see my boss who was five, 10 years older than me, just 30 feet down the hall, right? Like, is that where I wanted to be in five to 10 years, 30 feet down the hall, maybe making 50 grand more. Like it just was like a mind blowing thing to think that people actually sign up for that corporate ladder BS. And so I started trying to figure out like, how do I get out? Like, how do I travel? How do I spend time with friends? How do I live a truly a fruitful life? And I stumbled across Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek which talks a lot about passive income and thinking about, hey, if I have enough passive income that exceeds my expenses, I no longer have to work a traditional job. And so I was like, okay, how do I create passive income? Living in Silicon Valley at the time, I was thinking it was dumb idea after dumb idea after dumb idea. And I just like couldn't figure it out. And then I just stumbled upon real estate investing. And I was like, well, I don't need to be like Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or Steve Jobs. I can just be a real estate investor get rental income. That's pretty passive and, and kind of grow my net worth that way. And that's kind of where the journey all started. And so when you're working that corporate job, you're getting an education, it's the traditional path. And maybe not a lot of people are as aware of other ways to create passive income through other vehicles as well. They might be um, interested in you know stocks, 
typical things like that, where it's more common, more popular than, than real estate. But when you think about real estate and looking to actually use it as a vehicle to get financially independent, there seems to be a conception there that there's a large barrier to entry because it takes a lot of capital to get in. It's hard to get in because I might not necessarily have the means to purchase something on my own because it's such a large investment. For you, how did you make that first step into owning your first real estate property? And why did you think that that was a good vehicle for you? So that's one of the biggest misconceptions of real estate is that you think you need they need people to need a whole lot of money down, right? 20% is the number that gets thrown around. And frankly, you just do not need 20% to buy a real estate property. Um, I've bought all my properties with, or not all of them, but most of them with three to 5% down. And so I live in a market, you know, Denver, which, you know, the properties that I've been buying three, four, five hundred thousand dollars and I'm able to buy them for between fifteen and thirty thousand dollars. And so I'm not saying thirty thousand dollars is a small amount of money, but it's a lot less than what you'd expect to buy a house for. And it depends on your market, right? If you're listening to this and you're in a cheaper market, I don't know, Minnesota or St. Louis or something like that, you know, then you're able to even come with even less than thirty thousand dollars. And don't get me wrong, the hardest part of this entire thing is saving up that first $30,000. And that just comes from, hey, can you side hustle? Can you be scrappy? How do you save? Live well below your means. Don't go out to eat, right? Like be scrappy for those first couple of years and you'll have a lifetime of freedom ahead of you. So for you, how did you identify where you wanted to purchase your first property and make that first step? Well, so at the time I was living in San Francisco, I was looking to get out of the city because I knew I wanted to get into real estate investing and just thought it was too expensive there. And being a single person, single male at the time, I was just like, well, I've got the entire country like to, to pick. And I actually wound up getting a job at this company called Bigger Pockets, which is like a, I'm sure everyone knows what Bigger Pockets is, but if you don't and you're in real estate, like go check it out. And so I got a job at Bigger Pockets and they were located in Denver. And I was like, well, I feel like I'm kind of already late to the party in Denver, but I can't resist this job. And so I might as well just start buying properties there. And so honestly, I just picked my backyard and that's usually a good place to look. And I would say like, unless you're in downtown Manhattan or like, I don't know, like the most expensive parts of San Francisco, like you can find a house hack within 30 minutes of where you are right now. And so then after you bought that first house and you did some house hacking for yourself and you know you found a tenant like did you utilize bigger pockets to find the resources you needed in terms of finding a roommate putting out the leases out there and all the things that goes with being a tenant or a landlord yeah so one major thing is finding an investor friendly realtor right so i would say you know wherever your market is um, find an investor friendly realtor if you need one, you can always reach out to me. I've got a whole network of them. If not, feel free to reach look on bigger pockets, right? Post it on the forums. There's tons of people on bigger pockets that will help you out. Uh, and there's tons of ways to find these investor-friendly realtors. And they will likely have the things that you need. They'll have the connections of a property manager or a contractor or lender and all that stuff. And, and hopefully, if they're investors themselves, they have leases they can give you. They can tell you, hey, in this area, these are the best places to find roommates. Like I know in Denver. You know, the, some of the best places are Facebook, Facebook Marketplace, Roomies, Roomster. Craigslist is like kind of, I think they're kind of phasing out, you know, Roomies, Roomster and Facebook Marketplace and just some of the Facebook groups in the Denver area are great ways to find tenants. For you, when you think about being financially independent and making that shift and looking for ways to build up the income 
stream outside of working a normal W-2 job. What does that really look like for you? What did that mean to you as you were looking for ways to become financially independent? While working the W-2 job? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So house hacking is the biggest thing, right? So by house hacking, you're going to buy a place, you're going to live in part of it and rent the other parts out so you can live for free. I almost guarantee you that 95% of the people listening to the show, their biggest expense is either their rent or their mortgage payment. And so if you can figure out how to eliminate that, that is a massive amount of savings on a monthly basis. Like we're talking a thousand plus dollars a month for a lot of people. And so that is one massive way to save. And the second thing that Americans spend money on is transportation. So 33% of an American's income is spent on housing. 17% is on transportation. So if you can buy a place and live somewhere where maybe you can walk or bike or take public transportation to work, that would also drastically reduce your expenditures. And so you're, you're talking about a 50% savings rate just by doing those two things. So I, you know people always talk about like, oh, don't buy your Starbucks lattes every day and whatever. Like don't buy organic foods because it's going to, you're going to cost you extra money. It's like buy organic foods, buy your Starbucks lattes every day. That won't even move the needle if you just house hack it in an efficient way to get yourself around. So it's not necessarily reducing your lifestyle by, you're still being cautious with where you're spending it, but not reducing and and cutting down the lifestyle that you actually want to have. But it's looking for ways to actually elevate your lifestyle to a point where you are comfortable, where you are happy with without having to sacrifice. Exactly. Yeah. Figure out what you value, spend money where you value and cut back everywhere that you don't value. Like if you value having a nice car, then buy a nice car. But like, personally, I don't value having a nice car and I have probably the crappiest car amongst all my friends. Cause I just don't care. It gets me from A to B. doesn't break down. I'm good. So after you bought your first property and you did the house hacking, what did you do afterwards to eventually come up to the point where you decided that you are financially independent? Yeah. So after my third property is when I, I was like right on the cusp of financial independence. I wasn't sure if I was there or not. And so what I did was it was, I think, October of 2019. And I took a $0 paycheck for the rest of the year. And instead I just maxed out my 401k. So I put my entire paycheck towards my 401k. And I said, Hey, if my checking account is larger at the end of these three months, I'm financially free. And if not, well, I maxed out my 401k and I'm pretty darn close. And so it was kind of like a, there was no losing in that situation. And so I, I ran that test and sure enough, I was financially independent. And in January, 2020, I uh, quit my job. So it happened soon after. So typically when people are thinking about retirement and creating a nest egg for themselves, they assume that they need to have a large nest egg at the end of retirement to be able to live off of. Was that the case for you or were you just generating like monthly passive incomes or had you already amassed this other side of things where you created a large nest egg in case something had happened? Yeah, it's a great question. So it was the passive income is what I wanted to make sure that I had enough of in order to get by. And if you have a nest egg, you can be financially independent a little bit sooner because let's say you spend $4,000 a month and you make $3,000 a month of passive income. So you're actually losing $1,000 a month. But if you've got $100,000 saved up as a nest egg, you've got a hundred months to get an extra $1,000 of passive income. That's a pretty easy bet that I think anyone could do that. And so if you don't have that nest egg, then you want to probably make sure and be a little bit more conservative and make sure your passive income does in fact exceed your expenses. I did not have a nest egg of $100,000 when I quit, but I probably had 30 to 50,000. I don't remember. I had something. I wasn't just like zero. And so, and so yeah, you know, it, it all depends on your comfortability. 
And so when people looking to make this type of move or they're looking to create and generate enough passive income, and let's say that they decide to make the move from working a full-time job and relying on their passive incomes because now it's exceeded their expenses and they're able to live off the passive income. How do you ensure that it's being maintained so that you're still secure that the passive income is still coming in? Like how much time do you dedicate on the management side of it to making sure that you have enough passive income to cover your expenses since you don't have a active income coming in? Yeah. So I did have an active income coming in too. Like, so I quit my job and I became a full-time real estate agent and uh, started building a team and stuff. And so like, I was still making money that way. So, and because of that, I knew I was like, well, I'm good right now. Like, even if I don't sell properties, I know that my rental properties will take care of my expenses, but I was also selling properties. So I knew I always knew I was good. If you do just want to retire off of like four or $5,000 of passive income, then you maybe you just want to be a little bit more meticulous and make sure that you understand, hey, like these are where my expenses are coming from. Track it very closely. And, you know, make sure your rental properties are, you know, make sure you have reserves set aside for your rental properties. That way if something breaks, it doesn't eat into your personal like living expenses. And then, yeah, I mean, every month, it usually is about the same every month and things come up. You just want to make sure that you got some reserves for those things. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So when you started off with this financial independence journey, did you give yourself a time frame of when you would achieve this? And did you end up meeting or exceeding that goal? Yeah. So I wanted to be financially independent before I was 30. That was my goal. And I learned about financial independence at age 23. uh, And I I achieved it at 26. And so, yeah, well, and that's kind of the thing is that when you're intentional about something and you really kind of like just again, just kind of go hard at it, you'll achieve it way quicker than you would ever expect, right? There's a a quote out there that people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they do in five. And five years ago to this day, I did not even own a rental property. And so it's crazy to think about how much you can grow in just a few years. And so kind of, can you walk us through from when you purchased your first, first house to the next couple of houses, were, was it straight from the active income that you're making from your W-2 jobs that you were just investing heavily into those things? And how were you able to manage the finances so that you were able to continue to grow your portfolio and um, the management of it? Yeah. So while I was working my W-2 job, I was saving from my job. And then once I started house hacking, I, I was no longer paying rent. And so that I didn't elevate my lifestyle one bit. I just put my entire savings I just increased my savings. And so boom, boom, boom. And then uh, because I was saving an extra $1,000 a month, that's $12,000 a year. Plus I was probably saving already $20,000 a year for my job, right? That's another $32,000 per year that I was saving. Well, that's enough for a down payment on another house hack. And so I would save, you know, I would buy another house hack a year later. 
And then then now I've got two properties, each making me $1,000 each, $2,000 plus what I was saving for my job. So now it's $24,000 plus the $30,000 I was saving. So now that's $50,000. Again, enough for another house hack. And so it just keep house hacking and house hacking, you rolling it over and you don't elevate your lifestyle until you're financially independent. And once you're financially independent, every dollar of passive income after that can then give you some luxuries that you may want in life. So for someone who is looking to achieve financial independence on their own as well, and they want to make sure that they are walking the right path and making sure that they're secure in it, what are some mistakes or challenges that you've seen other people who are on this journey make that we can avoid as we're you know falling in this similar type of flip, uh, this similar type of path? Uh, the biggest mistake I see is that people are picking people relax their standards when screening their tenants and they let in a bad tenant and they get really stressed out. So that's one thing is like set your criteria for screening tenants and do not cave on any of the criteria. Um, the second thing, well, that's really the biggest thing. I mean, you know, some people I see maybe not having enough money in reserves and then something like it happens every single time I bought in a house, something breaks in the first couple of weeks. I don't know why, but it happens. And so, you know, you need to be ready to be ready to repair those things. It might cost a couple of thousand dollars. So if a couple of thousand dollars is going to kill you, then you know, you're probably not ready to buy a house quite yet. Um, or, you know, you put it on an interest-free credit card or something like that. But um, yeah, those are probably the two biggest mistakes. So can you share with us, when you made that decision to leave the corporate world and to go into real estate full-time, what was the mindset behind that? And, you know, what was the, I guess, the turning point for you that said, yes, this is the right time. I'm going to make that jump. Yeah. So it was really like that 401k um, test that I did. It was when I knew I was ready to make the jump. Um, and then I was, um, you know, on the side, I was, I was being a real estate agent and I was doing about two deals a month being a real estate agent. And in Denver, the, the home prices are a little higher than maybe some other parts of the country. And so we actually get paid a good bit for each deal. And I was like, wow, I'm literally making over three times as much in a month doing my side hustle than I was at my job. So, well, what happens if I like put the 40 hours a week that I would be spending at my job towards the side hustle? What would happen then? And then... Um, what has been the best way for you at least to manage and to um, you know oversee all the different properties and the renters that you've had what are some of the systems in place that you are able, can you share with us um, that has really helped to make you more efficient in running your businesses? Yeah. So Rent Ready is a property management software that I really like um, and they're great. That's what I use to manage my properties. And then, you know, the bigger pockets leases, um, I've used that and I've had my attorney look over the lease just to make sure that it, it still looks good. Those are great. And then again, it's really just a network, right? So finding an investor-friendly realtor and finding um, other investors in your area that can also help you out, I think are massive resources and will help you tremendously. For people who might not have the same type of network or are still looking to build out a network, where is the best place that you know you have found to be the most helpful for you to build out your network and to meet other people in the space? So meetup.com, right? Go on meetup, type in real estate investing and go to just different meetups. Bigger pockets, go find people in your area, type in, you know, if you're in Savannah, Georgia, go type in Savannah, Georgia and find a real estate investor in your area and go ask to bring them out to coffee. When I when I moved to Denver, every single day for about every weekday for about six months, I would be grabbing coffee with somebody at 7 15 a.m. A real estate investor just 
you know, just talking with them, not, not asking them for anything, but just building a relationship so that just so I would learn. And if they could drop me a nugget, that would be great. And, you know, everyone, very soon, everyone knew who I was. So. As you've come to the realization that you are now financially independent and that you've created this time freedom for yourself, you're able to choose what you want to do now. What has been, what has been the biggest surprise that you didn't expect you would see or experience throughout this entire journey, moving from, you know, your corporate job into real estate, into becoming financial independent? I can't not work. That, that <laughs> is like, I thought I would be able to relax and chill for a while, but it lasted like a day. And, you know, I, I really like being fulfilled and I really like um, helping people achieve financial independence through real estate investing. And so that's really where I spend most of my time, you know, whether it's building out the team, you know, whether it's creating content, whatever it is, but it's, I feel like I'm always kind of doing something. Yeah. It's funny because when people think about being financially free and retiring early from your corporate job or something like that, they think like, oh, maybe sometimes I can just be on the beach, relax, have a drink or something like that. But I I guess after a little couple of months or something like that, I was doing something like that. You need to have something to like grow yourself. And so most of the people that I talk to as well, it's like, I can't just sit idly around. I need to do something as well, whether it be because once we become stagnant and we stop growing, we stop learning, we stop being active in the space, it's a life kind of gets a little boring. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. And so I think, again, you can relax and, and celebrate your wins and take that vacation. But I think it's just, there's a lot of comfort in knowing that you're financially stable and then you can take other risks. And, and oftentimes they're business risks, right? And it's like, you know, whether it's investing in your business or whether it's starting a new team or whether it's doing this, this, and this, but like, yeah, I would agree that you need to be fulfilled in some way. And if it's not in business then maybe you're learning guitar or you're doing something that just growing in some way of life. Yeah. So ultimately it's, the choice to do what you want to ultimately the financial independence is just having that choice of doing what you want to do, whether or not you decide to continue working full-time, decide to learn guitar, like you mentioned, or being a real estate agent full-time, whatever it is, but it's just having that choice because if you're just focused on one set of income, an active income, that source of income can come away and can be taken away from you at any time. So if you're able to create other streams of income for yourself, if one of those ends up falling down, you have at least some other backups to cover any losses or to help you along the way if something in the event that something does happen. Yeah, it's so funny how people say like getting a, having a job is like the safe way. Have you have you heard of a job, the acronym of job, what it stands for? Just over broke, I think, right? Yeah, just <laughs> over broke. And I thought that I always think that's so funny because it's so true, right? Like if you take away your job, you have no income, you're choked, right? You have no, not like you're, you can't, you're not like your mortgage payment goes away because you lost your job, right? And so yeah, having multiple streams of income is crucial. So Craig, for you, what are you looking to focus on next? And you know, what is really exciting for you coming forward? Yeah. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to just continuing to build out our team. You know, we've got investor-friendly realtors in Colorado. We're looking to expand to Washington and Idaho next. Uh, and so that's super fun. Also on the on the personal investing front, going to be buying some multifamily properties this year. So buying some commercial and yeah, just scaling up that way. And again, just it's all a fun game and uh, yeah, excited to see you along the way. So how has real estate investing impacted your life so far? It's completely changed my life. I mean, five years ago, I was working a job that I hated. And again, five years later, I've got a handful of properties. They've created independent financial independence for me. 
Uh, I've been able to kind of live life on my terms and do what I want to do, build a business. I've been able to, I think I traveled for like three or four months last year and, you know, I don't have to ask permission for any of that. I can just do what I want to do. How often are you traveling in between Colorado and Hawaii? <laughs> so we, I did two, we did two months in Hawaii last year, which was amazing. Now I'm actually, we actually just purchased a home up in Idaho. And so we are now probably traveling between Colorado and Idaho and maybe Hawaii here and there. Um, but Hawaii is becoming a little too overpopulated at this point. And so, yeah, but Hawaii is beautiful. It's, it's hard to leave that place. Yes, it is. I know. What a what a fantastic place to visit and to live in and just yeah, just going there. It's just so nice and being able to see the beach and like the scenery is just amazing. It's paradise. I mean, when you think of paradise, that's it. So <laughs> So what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Um, it's definitely a long game, right? I think a lot of people, you know, we talked about how how like you know, like I mean, 5 years is not a long time in the grand scheme of life, but it definitely takes a lot of patience and um, there's a lot of bumps and bruises on the way. So you have to put on your suit of armor and, and take those bumps and bruises and just keep pushing forward. You know, it's not like any get rich stuff, get rich quick. You know, it's not crypto or NFTs or, or whatever it is that people are getting really rich really quickly with. It's a tried and true way to get wealthy. 90% of America's millionaires own real estate. And so clearly it works. So why not give it a shot? What is one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate investing? I think just that determination, that grit, that hard work, and being able to just get through some really hard times and problem solve really quickly and in continuing to educate and learn so that when a situation comes up, you know how to act about it very quick. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and your experiences with us. I definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing everything with us today. So if our listeners are curious about what you're up to, how you've been able to become financially independent, get a little bit more inside scoop onto that, find out more about you and your business, where's the best place that they can go? Yeah, you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm the Fi guy, like the financial independence guy. And I'm on Instagram and TikTok by the same handle, the Fi guy. So yeah, hit me up there and uh, hopefully I'll see you on the socials. Awesome. Thank you so much, Craig. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.